0: Okay, good morning. That's awful loud, Jake. is it Everybody, can you hear me? Is it too loud? It. <laughs> Julie's been trying that for 60 years. Um, good morning. I'm glad. Thank you. I asked the girls to sing that song for me, and i tell you, I'm about puddled up over there because that little girl, I remember holding her. <laughs> good morning. Let's just skip it. I've got good news for you this morning, and good morning, Zoom Church family. If I forget you, not intentionally, I love you all, too, and um, I've got good news for you today. 27 days from today is the first day of spring. That's good news. Want a round of applause for that? <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't help when I hear the word spring, I think about spring cleaning. And I don't know if that's a common thing in housewives today, but when I was a kid, Spring cleaning was a big deal. Uh, My mom turned into a different person through spring cleaning. She took it serious. I mean, every crevice of our home would be cleaned. I mean, uh, unbelievable. Now, even before it started, to most people, you think that's the cleanest house I've ever seen, but not in the opinion of Violet Robertson. It had to go through the process of spring cleaning. And I remember, she would be upset if she heard me tell this story, but I remember it vividly. Uh, You know, we're talking about words in the tongue, how it gets us in trouble, and how it's sinful. I remember I was uh, a senior in high school, and I popped in after school, and Mom was in the middle of her spring cleaning, and she had everything off the curtains, shears, furniture, everything was, I mean, it was in a mess, in my opinion. But. It had to be a mess to be clean. And as I walked out the door, I said, Mom, I'm going to work. I said, by the way, I like what you're doing with the place. And uh, I was trying to be humorous, but little did I know, there's not much humor at a time in, <laughs> when you've got that mess. And I walked out the back door to my car, and I felt something hit me in the back. It was a 409 bottle. <laughs> Mom could pitch a 409 bottle, and it got my attention. You have to think about those words. But, um, you know, when we think about the, our, our lives in uh, we're going to talk about a little spring cleaning that we have to take um, for ourselves. And I think we're going to talk about one of the dirtiest places on our body um, for, is the tongue. Um, you know, I hear dogs have clear t- or clean tongues, um, the cleanest tongues. I, I don't believe it. Um, I saw a gal on Facebook letting her dog lick the ice cream cone, and then she finished it off. I just can't buy into that yet. But... Um, Um, Money, for instance, don't put money in your mouth. You don't know where the money's been. Mom always said, don't put the money in your mouth, David. And I know why now, because I remember when Aaliyah's dad, my son, he swallowed a penny one time, and it came out the shiniest (laughs) copper penny. But you didn't want to put it in your mouth, you know, just something you (laughs) didn't want to do. (laughs) Um, You know, every part of the body that God designed is very important and it serves a function for us. When God created us, he knew what he was doing. He created us with intricate parts, some that we cannot see that are within us. Uh, we can't see our heart. We can't see our liver. We can't see our pancreas or intestines. Uh, but we know they're present. You know, if we, if we lose our heart or we, our liver, our lungs, if they're completely removed, we're, we cease living. We can see her arms, we can see her legs, we can see her eyes, we can see her nose. Uh, my grand, littlest granddaughter, I like to say, show me your nose, and she points at everything. Um, but the littlest part that you can open your mouth and see is what? The big old tongue there. And I said big old tongue. It is really a little part, and it's, it's a very important part of skeletal muscles that God created. If you think of God as an engineer, it's incredible. You humans couldn't make... A human body as intricate as God created us, and that's fascinating to me. But you know, the tongue lets us taste food. It lets us um, um, speak words to one another, um, and it even helps us fight germs for us. But uh, and you and I know people that have tongues that run all the time. They talk all the time. Do you know somebody that just talks, talks, talks? I'm probably one of those people, you probably th- saw. think of my face, but um, talking is a good thing if it's positive. But on the flip side, when we talk negatively, that's where problems arise. When we talk about the tongue, it's very obvious that the tongue is much smaller than the human body. The tongue is not as big as the hand, it's not as big as the arm or foot, but nevertheless, the tongue is a very essential part of the body. God did not create, create us with any extra parts. We don't have any extras. And we were created in the image of God. God has no physical body, but he, uh, he uh, created us so we could reflect his image. He's a God of mercy, a God of hope, a God of kindness. And all those attributes, there, there are times when our tongue do not reflect the positive characteristics of our Heavenly Father. We just don't. And this is kind of a hard message. I told Jake this week, I said, um, I've really been convicted this week. I've been slapped around by the Holy Spirit a lot because this is is a hard message for me. This is fun stuff. We're going to get into some rough stuff here, guys. When someone takes advantage of us, what is the first thing we want to do from a human standpoint? We want to use harsh words to let them know what we think. When things don't go our way, we feel sorry for ourselves and get upset with people near and dear to us and we shoot out or spew out words that are negative and they upset them. It's so easy to become negative over the things that happen to us or um, just situations and we can take our frustrations out on people near us. Again, the words of harshness, impatience, unkindness, hatred and sadness, they come from our mouth, from this tongue. In the scripture that was read this morning, Tyler, thank you, it was in James 3, 9, this verse kind of it jumps out from that whole passage. It says, with this tongue, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Paul knows about it. He, he's speaking to it in his word to us. Words are so powerful and they have a tremendous impact on the people around us for better or even for worse. So it's no wonder the Bible talks so much about the tongue. You know, Proverbs, one of my favorite books, you know, it talks about the tongue. In 18, uh, Proverbs eighteen twenty-one, it says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Proverbs twelve eighteen: a reckless word pierces like a sword, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. Proverbs 15, 4, a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs 25, 15, a gentle tongue can break a bone. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver in Proverbs ten twenty. And one of the most insightful verses in scripture is Matthew 12, 34, where it says, out of the overflow of the heart, The mouth speaks. You can be with somebody, a stranger, for maybe no less than, you know, not very long and tell what that person is about or what is most dear to them. We speak what comes out of our hearts. Jesus was saying that our words are clues. They reveal our thoughts and our feelings, and they reveal who we are. Well, last week, Brother Tim preached. From ephesians highlighting the various gifts and roles of the church body and it's critical with that we're going to look briefly at five verses in chapter four of ephesians once again these five verses i think we need to really consider and take heed to these because if we want to be the healthy body of christ that was designed by our heavenly father and operate and be able to reach a lost and dying world we're going to have to take heed to these words that we're going to look at this morning Um, The first verse we're going to look at in chapter 4 is Ephesians 4.15. And if you have that verse in front of you, I'm going to read it to you. Again, that's Ephesians 4.15. It says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him being Jesus who is ahead. That is Christ. Speaking the truth in love. Now, There's a story told of a little four-year-old boy who came out of the bathroom screaming to his mama for help. He said, he startled, and the mama said, what's wrong with you, baby? And he says, I dropped my toothbrush in the toilet. Mm." She calmed it down saying, that's okay, honey, I'll get it out of the toilet, don't worry about it. We'll throw it away and I'll get you a brand new one, hon. Well, the little boy stood there thinking for a little bit, you could just see his mind was reeling. And then he ran into the bathroom and came out with his mama's toothbrush, and he said, "Then we better throw this one away too because it fell in the toilet a few days ago." I don't know if that's speaking the truth in love, but I thought it was cute. Let's talk about a minute about what speaking the truth in love isn't, and I think that's important for us because there's some misconceptions about speaking the truth in love. It's not telling everyone everything we know. Not everyone needs to know everything that we know. Speaking the truth in love, we speak is not based on worldly views, it's not based on traditions, and it's not based on even well intended opinions. Speaking the truth is an excuse to be unloving. A person might say, I just need to be honest. You don't always have to be honest if you can't do it in a loving way. So what Paul is saying here, though, the verse teaches us that the key to growing to maturity and becoming like Jesus, our head, is learning to speak the truth in love to each other. I have benefited from this, and I love it. It's not the easiest thing to hear or do. The love referred here is an agape love, which is a self-sacrificial love that works for the benefit of the loved one. We speak truth in order to build them up. Now the truth that we hear speaking, the truth, is recommended by the apostle. It's the whole system of God's doctrine. It's the teaching of God's word. That's what the truth is. It's not the truth of the knowledge you have about a situation or a truth about your feeling about a situation. It is the truth of God's word. Jesus is the way. He is the truth, and He is the life. That's what God's Word tells us. As believers were to teach, speak, speak and admonish each other based on God's Word. Paul, through the direction of the Holy Spirit, though in that Scripture, if you look at, he adds a prepositional phrase for any of our school teachers this morning. It says, "In love." Not only do you speak the truth, but you do it in love. Speaking the tr- truth in love means keeping every aspect, other character trait of a loving person as defined by God's word in mind. I, I can't help but think about Galatians five twenty-two and 23 where it talks about the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no wrong, no wrong or no law, excuse me. How does speaking the truth in love involve kindness? Well, kindness is both the motivation and the method for speaking honestly about hard things with people. So love speaks the truth with kindness. Also, love speaks the truth with patience. The truth can be spoken as bullets to a gun or it can be spoken as seeds. If we speak the truth of bullets, then we'll likely kill the relationship. But if we speak the truth in love as seeds, then we must be patient for the seeds to root and take growth. We're not in charge of the results. We're just plant the seeds and speak the truth of God's love in other people's lives. Patient honesty might mean telling the other person your feelings, even though you'd rather not. That you rather they'd figure them out on your own, their own. Excuse me, even though you've told them about it before. Here's another thing, love also speaks the truth with forgiveness in mind. The purpose of speaking the truth in love is not condemning, but it's restoring is what it is. If we approach the conversation with a desire to forgive or be forgiven, um, then we are showing a loving honesty that's guided by forgiveness. And what's the greatest forgiveness we know in our life? Is the forgiveness of our Heavenly Father. We need to forgive as we've been forgiven. Love also speaks the truth with humility. When we find ourselves in a situation where we need to speak the truth in love, here's three things I'm going to throw out there to keep in mind. First of all, we should check our motives for what we're getting ready to say. Why do we feel the need to do it? What do we hope to accomplish with it? And kids are are taught, when I was a kid, do you remember Stop, Drop, and Roll? You know, if you're, your clothes cut on fire, you stop, drop, and roll. When I was working on the sermon this week, I just thought, Holy Spirit, just, you know, if my tongue is getting ready to say something that isn't good for you, Lord, just put stop, drop, and roll in my head so I don't say it. And, you know, if we think there's a fire in our tongue and the motive's not right, stop, drop, and roll. Don't do it. Number two, we should plan our presentation. Now, I'm not talking PowerPoint here. We need to think about the words we're getting ready to say while seeking, Lord, for wisdom, we need to pray for that person. Lord, show me. Help me understand what you're wanting me to say to them and how to say it. And next, the timing of it. It's critical. And third, we should give a lot of a- affirmation when we're delivering and speaking the truth, too. If you think about it in Paul's letters, which we've studied a lot in the last year, uh, Paul even modeled this in the letters he wrote in the Bible. He often starts out with praises of the recipients of the letter, and at the beginning and at the end he gives praises also, and in the middle he does the correction. So we need to affirm. There's always a way you can affirm someone. You can affirm them in some way by giving a positive word and giving the, um, the truth um, in speaking the truth, it might be corrective that you're speaking into them, but you can always be positive and affirming while you're doing it. <clears throat> so, before we speak the truth in love, it helps to check our motives, plan our presentation, and give a lot of a- a- affirmation. But to be honest about honesty, I have to admit that both speaking and hearing the truth of love in love is not easy. It takes love and courage to be the one on the sending end, and also takes a lot of love to be on the receiving end. Also. So in addition to being loving, truthful speakers, I have to be challenged, and I want to challenge you to be uh, loving, truthful hearers of the truth. The main reason people shy away from speaking the truth in love is because many people don't really welcome it, and they really don't appreciate it. I've been that way. We won't go there this morning, but I invite you sometime to go to the second uh, Samuel chapter 12, where David is being confronted by Nathan. Nathan. If you remember, David had committed the sin of adultery, and um, it really unraveled into, included a murder. You can't write movie scripts any better than David's life, I tell you what. But David was, you know, the king, and uh, Nathan was placed in his path, and Nathan had to speak the truth and love to him to bring, him, bring it up. Uh, David didn't want to hear it. He did not want to hear it. So I hope I've tickled your interest. You'll go to 2 Samuel 12 today. 2 Timothy 4, 3, and 5 reads, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. There's going to be a time when people don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear the truth of God's word. Instead, Scripture goes on to say, Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss. Scripture's telling us this here, that people They don't really want to hear the truth. There'll come a time. Imagine if you were going to the doctor. I went to the doctor this week. I had an appointment up at St. V's, and I got a good report. My blood's all flowing. I'm going to keep legs for a little longer, or the leg for a while longer. And I'm grateful for that. But imagine you went to the doctor for a checkup, and the doctor says to you, you are a magnificent physical specimen. You have the body of an Olympian. You are to be congratulated. Later that day, while you're climbing the stair, your heart gives out. You find later that your arteries are so clogged that you are one jelly donut away from the grave. Imagine you go back to the doctor and you say, why didn't you tell me the truth about my condition? Well, imagine if the doctor says, I knew your body was in worse shape than the Pillsbury Doughboy. But when I tell people, they get offended. And it's kind of bad for business. They don't come back. And I want this to be a safe place where you feel loved and accepted. How would you respond to that? What would you say? Don't tell them what I want to hear. Tell them what I need to hear. The easier we make it for people to tell us the truth and love, the better off it will be for everyone. There are a number of Proverbs, again, in the Old Testament, Proverbs that speak of wisdom being someone who is approachable. Proverbs 12, 1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Proverbs 9, 8, do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Proverbs 25, 12, like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine gold is a wise man's rebuke to a listening ear. This is one of my favorites. Proverbs 27, 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So let us be eager to condition our minds and hearts to speak the, the truth of God's word to one another. That's my encouragement. And as well as being eager, eager to receive God's truth, another that He has placed in our path, that there's people that, that outside of this body that need that truth. Not only here, but this makes us healthy if we learn how to do it here. The second verse we're going to look at is Ephesians 4.25. Uh, Just a little further down in the passage, it says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. You know, there's many ways to lie. Uh, We don't have to be taught how to lie. That's one thing we do pretty good on our own. We don't have to, you know, okay, to lie, you need to do this. You know, it's our human sinful nature. Um... Paul uses the word falsehood. The word covers a wider scope. When I say don't lie, the first thing that comes to your mind is you shouldn't tell a lie, uh, speak an untruth. But we can lie with a glance. We can lie by our silence. We can lie with a nod of our head or the shifting of our feet. We can lie by holding back information that another is not aware of. There's a lot of different ways to be, uh, carry a falsehood. And the thing that makes falsehood not only detestable, but something that should be considered impossible is that we've been joined together spiritually. We've been joined together spiritually to the one who cannot lie. Lying is diametrically opposed to the very character of the God who has saved us and given us life, and it's opposed to the very life that is in us. Just think about it. If, if it, it's... If we said, it's okay, hand, go ahead and stick your finger in an empty light socket. The electricity is off. That's no good. We can't, we can't, as a church body, you can't tell. If you're an arm, you can't tell the foot. Well, you know what? It's okay if you walk across uh, that sharp stuff. It's not glass. It's soft plastic. It hurts the body. It hurts it. I know that it seems like I'm taking it to extreme, but it is critical that we're truthful with one another. We are to speak the truth of love to one another, um, and the whole world system is based on lying, and it is God's desire that we be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Lying seems to be a way of life for many people. We lie at the drop of a hat. Uh, In the daily bread, a lot of you may read that. Several years ago, there was a quote from a book called The Day America Told the Truth, it said that 91% of those surveyed lied routinely about matters they consider trivial. Um, 36% lie about important matters, 86% lie regularly to their parents, 75% to their friends, and 73% to their siblings, and 69% to their spouses. This should never exist in believers. Ephesians four twenty six and 27. We're going to move through this a little more quickly. Um, it reads, in your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and not, do not give the devil a stronghold. Well, let's start with what the Bible says about uh, spiritual strongholds or footholds. Um, Ephesians 4.27 in another translation, the New American Standard says, do not give the devil an opportunity. Um, The New King James Version says, nor give place to the devil. These strongholds are points of operation allowing Satan to exert a power over us. They impact our thinking, our emotions, every part of our life. And only through the Lord's power will we be able to break free from this control that Satan wants to have over us. We have no power from within us except from the Lord. Many of us have this tendency instead of verbalizing our frustrations. Now I'm a talker, I I talk a lot. You can tell when there's something wrong with me, I wear it on my shoulder. But there are people that hold everything in. You know the type, you may be the type where you just hold it in. And you know it's a good thing to hold it in, but there comes a time. And you know when that time is. We repress it. These t- type of people will hold the frustration in. We let, uh, let it just fester inside of us. And, you know, it says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. What does that mean? I remember as a kid, my folks would go sit on the back porch if they were having an argument. They, they used that scripture. They wouldn't go to bed until they got it right. And I've seen my folks sit on the back porch till the wee hours of the morning. And I'm grateful for that. I didn't know what it meant at the time. I really didn't. But I'm grateful they stayed on the back porch, and I would to get close to the door to hear it. That was them to work out, the Lord and them to work out. And I'm grateful that I had that example. But, um, but when we hold it in, we get so angry that we have to verbalize it at some time, and uh, when we do it the wrong way, instead of going to that person and confronting the issue, we verbalize our frustrations to other people, and it turns into gossip or, or backbiting, and it just compounds the problem. Anger can create a bitter, toxic root within yourselves. The last verse we're going to look at today is Ephesians 4.29, and this is the hard one, folks. This is the hard one. Um, I mean... This was like a kick in my stomach this week because, well, let's just walk through it together. Ephesians 4.29, it says, "'Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, "'but only what is helpful for building others up "'according to their needs, "'that it may benefit those who listen.'" Growing up in Sunday school, we're taught certain words were bad. We find that out pretty early. Um, and that good Christians don't use bad words. uh, In talking about explicit language, we were pointed always to this verse, 429, do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. We learned to change the way we speak. We steered clear of music that had the obscene language. I used to just go through me when my son was a young man, and you had to monitor the words of the songs. I mean... Still, I don't hear real well, but when I catch a few of those words, it about does me in. Um, But, um, you know, at the same time, we developed kind of clever euphemisms that allowed us to say bad and hurtful things in the way that sounds nice. In doing so, we followed the letter of the law, but not the Spirit, ignoring the second part of the verse. It says, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Like the Pharisees before us, many of us miss the point of this teaching, I think. While we should be careful what we say, simply cleaning up our words does not clean up our hearts. It does not. Unfortunately, we Christians can be negative, we can be hostile, we can be critical and cruel people to talk to. There are times when we say inexcusable things to and about each other, often over different views of non-essential issues. The truth is unwholesome talk is more about how many four-letter, not about uh, how many four-letter words are in our vocabulary. It's about our heart attitudes. What attitude is here? What's, what's overflowing to our mouth? Too often we use nice words to say cruel things, like I said. Um, you know, the term bless your heart said many times could be a negative thing you can tear them down it just depends the attitude that's behind it we share things that um, we have a tendency to talk about other people's business that we have no business about um, we talk about things we haven't confirmed to be true gossip is unwholesome It's also sinful and any time we engage in in a conversation where we seek to build ourselves up or make ourselves look good by making others look bad, that's unwholesome. Here's a basic rule. If the person were in the room with you and you were talking about them to their face, how would you say it? If it doesn't encourage or challenge them to grow in a positive way, then it's, it's, it's not wholesome. When we talk about people behind their backs, when we speak down to people, when we degrade others with what we say when we give pat answers to other people's pain or dismiss their feelings, that's unwholesome talk. If we're not building others up according to their needs or benefit those who listen, words are, again, powerful tools. We can use them to build each other up or we can tear one another down. May the convicting agent of the Holy Spirit, convict and grieve our hearts. Um, the unwholesome talk, I'm a kidder. And sometimes the kidding gets maybe a little too heavy. I tease. I, you know, I have a sense of humor. It's probably a different brand than most folks. And the Lord's really convicted me this week that I need to really pay attention to me, to my big old mouth. I say hurtful things that uh, I may not know they're hurtful, but I need to stay in check that I'm speaking that I'm glorifying God. I'm an ambassador of Christ. And Christ, he would never speak that way. So that's where I've been convicted. And I just want to tell you the truth. Um, We're getting ready to close this morning, but, you know, um, I've told lies. I've had a deceitful tongue in my day. You know, I like to tease. I like to provoke people. You know, this, I've been a backstabber, hurtful. I've cursed others. I've just had a foolish tongue. And I think we all, if we sat and think about it, we've all been responsible for the same thing. I could give you an example of every one of them, and I'm not proud of them. I've told lies to myself. i told them to others. And it may be your conviction today. I, again, I know I've been very convicted this week. Here's what I want to say before we close. If we fail to give each other Jesus, we lead others away from Jesus. We might grow in Bible knowledge but not in love for Jesus and one another. We might become the most religious prayers of all time and yet be talking to the wrong God. We could have our finances in order while our hearts are completely out of order because we're doing it for the wrong reasons. We might be great at communication and conflict resolution. But if we're not reconciled with God through the person of Jesus Christ and washed in his blood, then our relationships will be shallow and temporary in nature. Think of it this way. If we're to help one another grow up into Christ in every way, we need to learn how to lovingly speak the truths of Christ into everything, every aspect of our life, every situation we face, and every issue we address. You know what this is going to do? This is going to bring unity that can't be penetrated with anything. It's going to speak to a lost and dying world. Unity is not something you see in the world. Just go to Walmart. Just go anywhere, and you see a disjointed population that wants something different. And it's, that vacuum is built into every one of us. And you know what that vacuum is? It can only be filled with the person of Jesus Christ in our hearts. That's the only way we'll find forgiveness, redemption, peace, joy, happiness, and to make us the vessels that he created us to be, to love our family, to love others. And he can do that. He can take the vilest tongue and he can save that person and bring them up And if that's you this morning, I just pray that the Lord will just convict your heart to to be all that. He. You may not even know him as Lord and Savior. And if you haven't, it's just a simple invitation. Lord, come into my life. I need you. I'm nothing without you. I'm a sinner. And at that moment, Christ will forgive you and set you free. That's the message of God. We want to be a healthy body here on 800 North. We want to reach a lost and dying world. And I want to be an encouragement to you, and I need the encouragement from you. Let's bow our heads this morning. Heavenly Father, I'm thankful for this message, which was, I know, for me, Lord. And Father, I pray forgiveness where I have failed you, Lord, that my words have not been glorifying to you, where I've hurt others and I've Taken kidding a little too far, Lord. Um, you've, your Holy Spirit is perfect, and Lord, it just—I pray that it continues to convict my heart. Lord, there may be people sitting here or listening, Lord, that just uh, that this message has really convicted them. Lord, just uh, Father, you are the Redeemer, and you can redeem all things, Father, and you can give us strength. You can, um, you can do all things. We trust you this morning, and I just pray you'll give us a thirst for more of you, Lord. Draw us close to you. And uh, we just give you praise, honor, and glory, Father. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.